0: Welcome to Fitness in the Word with Benjamin Kasange. Everyone here is called. If you've always thought that you have no calling, you're not called, no. Read your Bible very well. He's called us. He's called us to a living hope. He's, there are many times in the New Testament that he shows us that we are called. So calling does not just mean the fivefold. Not all of us are called in the fivefold, but all of us are called. Praise the Lord. There is a calling of God upon your life. And if you're called, the motivation for your calling has to be love. It is the only motivation for calling. It's the, most, the only motivation for serving, for ministering. Whatever we do, if the motivation is not love, it is not ministry. The motivation has to be love. Your motivation can't be numbers. Your motivation can't be firm. Your motivation can't be... As long as that is your motivation, you've stepped out of your calling. And as good and as powerful as they may be as motivations on earth, they only go to a certain height, they only reach a certain level. It is only love as a motivation that would help us to attain what we are meant to in our calling. Praise the Lord. In, in, your, in your calling or ministry, you do it by faith. Praise the Lord. If I'm called to minister, like minister to the sick and what, I do it by faith because I believe. Praise the Lord. I don't lay hands on people. I don't use a vaccine. You get it. I don't rub. I don't, don't come here and get some medicine and rub. there I say, be healed. <laughs> so it has to be faith. Praise the Lord. But the Bible tells us faith works by love. There is no faith without love. And mere believing is not faith. told us that. Faith has a basis. And the basis is what Christ has done. The basis is the word of God, which has to be love. That is the basis of faith. Praise the Lord. So you see how love is very, very key. There is nothing you're going to accomplish for God. Uh, love, is, love is not... Love is not something that is wimpy like many people would want to think. You think love is just some soft thing. No. The Bible says God is love. So love is God. Love is a force. See, says love never gives up. Love is that strong. Praise the Lord. And it says that love will never fail. It does not fail. It's a very powerful force. It does not fail. And what, many times, even to stand to do what God called you to do, amidst all persecution and all the challenges that will come, it is, be- it is because of love that you can fulfill your call. Like I was talking about Mother Teresa. She saw a lot. She saw all the ugly. There was every reason for her to give up. Why didn't she give up? Love. T. L. Osmond said, love pays the price. When he was 85, he would still go do crusades in India under the hot sun. Three times a day he's preaching. Morning, afternoon, evening. In the open space under the hot sun. On planes, tired of flying. He's flown for more than 50 years, been flying and flying and flying. And he's asked an old man like you, you go stand under the sun three times a day for two weeks flying over 16 hours. What makes you do this? says, love pays the price. He wanted the people in Russia so much to get the gospel. And somebody told him he would open a bookshop of Christian literature. And he would sell even, he would be giving these books by T.L. Osborne because Russians love to read. And he was so excited because he loved Russia. So he gave the man $40,000 dollars to start to open the bookshop and sent him uh, more than 40 tons of books. And the man went with the man and he just disappeared. And he looked for another man and did the same thing. Told him, how would you do that again? Said, love pays the price. He didn't stay disappointed and he's, oh, you see, the other time I trusted, I gave that man money, now I'm never going to trust anyone else. No, I said love pays the price because his motivation was to see people receive, receive this message that he has. Motivation has to be love. Uh, many people have given up, especially when it comes to ministry or to whatever they know that God has called you. Whatever God has called you to do is ministry. If you know that this is primarily what God has called me to do, that is ministry. But many times we quit because our motivation is not love. Praise the Lord. We'll start a business. And this business, you're like, oh, I see this business. I see me employing people, and they'll be able to pay their rent. They'll be able to pay for their children's school fees. I want to, I'll employ people, and they will experience, they will, will, I want them to be paid well, and I want my service. I want not to exploit people that they pay for what they get, a service that is lacking. And challenges come and say, I'm closing it. Because in the end, motivation was not love, the challenges that came up. Because if the motivation was love, you would still see that they are still, the object of the love is still there. The people that you wanted to love, you would see so. Many times if you're motivated by love, you will go so far in whatever you've been called to do. So far, you'll go so far. Even in ministry like this, like having a church, if God has called you to plant a church or a ministry to preach the word, to preach the gospel. There are things. Oh, I was reading about Reinhard Bonkey. He's been on, he's been, he was in a plane crash, going to preach, survived, and you see didn't get up and like, oh, let's fly back to America. This flash has been terrible. Like, are we still in time for the crusade? Let's get on another plane. Let's go there. Another time he's in a plane, he's going to Congo, deep in Congo, and There are no planes in that area. He gets on a plane that just takes food to people there. So he's there seated amidst onions, tomatoes, plane with no seats, just cargo. And he's there. And the plane is very heavy because it's loaded. So it's not even getting to the right altitude. It's bumpy. But you know he has to go there and preach to these people. He's going to preach to a prison where people do not go. That is Love. Love as the motivation. He's, he was in Nigeria, in Kaduna. They attacked them. They wanted to kill them. They, they, he, he was just nicked out of the country. Muslims were attacking them. And you see, he gets to, when they get out of Nigeria, he's like, where can we go? He says, let's go to, I think they were meant to go to Benin. I don't remember where they, they somewhere where they were meant to go. And there also, they were looking for him. They want to kill him. So they're like, no, we can't go here. And he says, okay, let's go to uh, Monrovia. Monrovia is Liberia. Is that Liberia? Liberia. So they go to Monrovia, but there is a war that is going on. So he's like, so there is curfew because uh, at night there are gunshots and what. So he's like, okay, can we just have the crusade before that? He didn't say, let's go home. So as they are having crusade as evening comes, they would see bullets flying because they would see. But he's like, these people must receive the gospel. What if the next bullet is to them and they've not received Jesus? That's love. But you see, he has a family he could go to. There's a good excuse of saying, you see, the crusade we were meant to have in Kaduna, they said we were attacked by Muslims, so we came back. God knows we tried. No. You get what I'm saying? So if if the motivation is just fame and statistics, he would have stopped somewhere and it would be reasonable. You get it? But the motivation being love, He's going way beyond where he would have gone if it was, uh, where he would have gone if it was just another motivation other than love. Hallelujah. Yeah, so in this, this love that we've been called to, yeah, we'll read from John 13. We'll read verse 1 to 17, then 34 to 35. Now before the feast, of the Passover when Jesus knew that his hour was come that he should depart out of this world unto the Father having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot Simon's son to betray him Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and guarded himself. After that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was guarded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Duh. You see, Peter, Peter is always crazy. He comes to Peter, that means Peter was not the first. You get it? He's washing other people's feet. Then Peter says, Lord, you want to wash my feet? Peter, what am I doing (laughs) Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest, not now. So true. But thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. (laughs) Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast not part with me. Look at Peter's reasoning. He tells him, If I don't wash you, you have no part in me. That part of part in me, I think it gets Peter excited. So if he just washes my feet, I'm part. And he says, Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only. <laughs> if my feet can make me part of you, then <laughs> not just my feet, but also my hands and my head. <laughs> Jesus said to him, he that is washed needeth not to save, not save to wash his feet, but is clean every week, and ye are clean, but not all. Okay, let's, read, let's, let's just go to NLT. Let's go to NLT from verse 10. You learn to read King James, it's exciting. Jesus replied, A person who has best all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be it entirely clean. And you, disciples, are clean, but not all of you. Meaning, Judas is Iscariot. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right but that's what I am, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master. That word slaves, there is the word servants, and not greater than their master. Nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Yeah. Uh, Jesus is saying, if I, being a master, am washing your feet, which was done by servants, then he tells them, do the same. So we have a lot of feet washing in churches nowadays. Saying it's wrong to wash feet in church. Sometimes you enter, ch- why do you think Muslims take off shoes? Sometimes you enter church and you really need to wash some feet. You just, <laughs> so it's okay if they need to be washed. <laughs> Let's go to verse 34. Their feet, I would also just say, Mm-mm, somebody wash that guy's feet. <laughs> A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that ye love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have love, one to another. This is what Jesus was telling them. Do the same to each other. He was not meaning literally to wash feet. That is not what He was meaning. Now, I've told you this over and over. It is poor Bible interpretation. When we take one scripture, one portion, and establish a doctrine on it. You get it? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with washing feet. Praise the Lord. I washed mine before I came. I now, but to establish it as a doctrine that we should wash feet, there should, be, there should be a number of scripture basis and foundation for it. Praise the Lord. Where do we see it in the New Testament? Where do we see the apostles do it? Where do we see them do this? Now with revelation, the right revelation that Christ is talking about, there would be nothing wrong with doing it. This is the revelation. Washing of feet was the worst. It was, for the, it was work for the least servant in a home. You know, because of where they were in Arabia, in the Middle East, it is full of sand. It is deserts. So people would walk, in that time, they, they mainly had open shoes. Praise the Lord. I see ladies have them nowadays. Ladies, why do you like ancient things? You've seen ladies with shoes that they... Those are the shoes that were used B.C. <laughs> now ladies are buying and wrapping all over. Some even go up to this. <laughs> you know, when you meet that shoe, if you meet it in the store, you can't tell what it is. Because it just has the front, then it has a thread up to this side. Then there's another one <laughs> up to the other mid. And when a lady puts it, now she pulls this one. <laughs> pulls <the> And starts. <laughs> so because they had such shoes, <laughs> they had dust everywhere they walked. They had dust. So when you go to a house, the least servant was given that assignment. They were given to wash the feet of the visitors. You hear even when Jesus got to, you remember, you remember who? He was Simon, the, the leper, when he got to his house, and Lazarus' sister, Mary, was poured the alabaster box on his feet and started wiping with his hair. Jesus told him, since I came in, you've not even washed my feet. Because it was a custom, it was a normal thing that when visitors came in, you washed you washed their feet. And, It was for that. So Jesus is saying, me being a master, I've taken on the least duty. What is considered to be the least duty. I've taken on the least duty to clean your feet. You being my servants. Praise the Lord. You being my servants. Another scenario we remember is when he turned water into wine. Yeah? He told the... He he didn't... They drew the water and told them, take to the master. (laughs) And the Bible says he tested, not knowing where the water had come from. It was water that had been used to clean feet. If you read, those pots were for ceremonies. They were for those rituals, for cleaning yourself. That is the water that was turned into. You know, if if you just look at faith, and the man is like, this tastes so awesome. You've reserved the last. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, that's what when you read Luke chapter 2, I think Luke chapter 2, you'll see, but that's what he talks at. This this water, it was water, it was water for ceremonies, for those cleansing ceremonies, for those rituals. It says, get those pots. Fill them with water. Those were the pots for that. And turned into I'll not go into that. But you see, many times, I feel like some of these things that God put was to show us that faith goes beyond logic. Because they would say there and say, these pots are not clean. You know what they are used for? We can't give. Oh, they will get COVID, you see. <laughs> yeah? He tells Naaman, go dip yourself in the Jordan. Dirty, swampy. And Naaman is like, are there are no clean rivers in our place. And you see, that is what happens. That is what happens when we come; the power of God comes upon people, and they get slain. And what we'll say? Ah oh no, we can't go to such a church. Dignitaries putting on suits and what? That is why they stay with demons, possessed. Derek Prince used to say, "You either choose dignity or you choose deliverance." <laughs> Can Oh, I want you to cast this demon out of me, but I don't want it to scream. I don't want to. C- can I do it? <laughs> One time, Smith Wigglesworth went to. If you've read, if you've read uh, Smith Wigglesworth, what is what is that book? But that's the common biograph of Smith Wigglesworth. So he went up. There is a lady. She was. Like the biggest partner in this church, which he went to visit. Biggest funder, you know those people who give. They even have a special seat for them in church. You get it? Just go and buy a recliner and put it somewhere. (laughs) Let the biggest partner stand up and wave to the church. (laughs) So now she fell sick, and Smith-Hugosworth was having a healing meeting in her church. So the pastor tells him, there's a lady. She's a great partner to our ministry. Want us to go and pray for her. So they go. And when they get there, Smith Wigoswath sees, hey, this lady has, she's there on bed. She has personal doctors, nurses, and there are people working on her nails. They, there's just everyone serving her. She's just this rich lady. And the pastor says, We are here with Brother we Swath, We've come to pray for you. And Swath, turns to the pastor and tells him, No. Me, I've not come to pray for her. I'm not going to pray for her. And the pastor, he's, you know, this is her biggest partner, I think. Smith, come. Come, 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 come. come. <laughs> Smith says, that lady, if she wanted to get healed, she would have come to church, got his coat and left. And the next day in the healing line, the lady, yeah, being pushed. Was it in a wheelchair? And Smith he gets to her. And, so you're now ready? That was him. And she gets healed. Dignity aside. Thought you, even somebody, oh, pastor, the Samuel say, Pastor, can you have a, a private baptism for me in my swimming pool? I said, no. It has to be public. As we baptize the guy from the streets, the guy from the streets gets in, you you also, you come in next <laughs> <laughs> many times we miss from God because we want to come on our terms. But you see, when we call him Lord, it means it is going to be his terms, not our terms. And it helps us to, because you see, it is not that God wants to demean us. It is because he wants us to receive the best. And as long as we still have that element of pride in us, we are never going to receive the best that he has for us. So many of these things help us uh, help us to, to throw away that pride which gets in the way of us receiving the ultimate that he has for us. Praise the Lord. This is so necessary. So we are seeing Jesus washing their feet and he is the master. He washes their feet including Judas Iscariot and as we have read he knew that Judas Iscariot would, would betray him. It is not that he didn't know when he was washing. So when he tells them these things you should do in other words you should love like I have loved. That's why he says in verse 34, As I have loved you, love one another. As I have loved you, love one another. He says, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. A new commandment. Earlier on they had asked him, which is the greatest commandment? And he said, there are two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, and all that. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. Then now, before he goes, he's giving them a new one. One, just one. As I have loved you, love one another. Love one another as I have loved you. A new commandment I give to you. One, just one. As I have loved you, love one another. How has he loved us? How did he love them? Unconditionally. He washed the feet of Judas Iscariot. He washed Peter's feet. Him being a master, him being their Lord, he laid down his life and did the dirty work. This means we cannot love effectively unless we understand the love with which he's loved us. If we don't understand the love with which, just like we say, Heart people, heart people. Praise the Lord. People who know that they are loved, love people. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Have you ever been around someone and you're just ever on your toes, you're just on eggshells, you think you may just rub them the wrong way? They need to know God's love. And if you're that kind of person, walk away today, Different. People don't need to be so careful around you about everything. What if they say this? He will catch feelings. She will catch feelings. We will annoy him. We will. You can't be that. Somebody hurt you. These, and you've 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 either not forgiven, you've not walked away from the past, you've not you get it. Jesus didn't catch feelings for Peter, saying, You can't wash me. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, things are going to be said to us, but we can't dwell there forever. We can't, we can't dwell there forever. We have to experience His love if we are going to give it. And uh, His love, His love for us, is the God kind of love. The word that was used here is that love, agape, agape love. The word that is used, a new commandment I give unto you. That ye love one another as I have loved you. He was saying with the love of God. Which love naturally human beings don't have. So if he wants us to love with the love of God, which human beings don't have naturally, then we must get it from somewhere. Praise the Lord. Now when you get born again, you receive it. He says he shed his love abroad in our hearts. That's what he tells us in Romans chapter 5. His love has been shed abroad in our hearts. His love has been shed abroad in our hearts. His love, the love of God. So there are many people we look at and we think they are so loving, but they've not reached this standard, especially if they've never experienced God. Praise the Lord. On Thursday, was telling us that charity, the way we know it today, is not necessarily love, even to God, let me say, if you are, you're big, you grow financially, you're required to do charity. To God, that may be hey, stable. That is just going to go through the fire. You did nothing, so people on earth may just be like, wow. You see, he feeds people in Africa. He does it's because it's required. He's big, he's rich. As long as you're rich, you're making some millions of dollars, and you must do charity. It's just a must. Even in your company, you're going to be advised, the government is going to require from you to give back to community. There's just going to be something. So that does not mean that it is love. It is part of your company image. It is part of your organization image. It is part of your church image. And that is why I am saying that many times the devil changes priorities, especially for the body of Christ. We think a church that we know about, or a Christian that we know about out there buying food, dressing everyone, we think that that is now real ministry. You get what I'm saying? (laughs) And so as Christians, we are also tempted to put that always at the forefront so that we get approval from the world. But we will be getting no approval from God. Because we are doing it so that he says if we do it for them, we've already got our gain. They'll talk good about us. So I love that church. They feed the hungry. I love that church. They help street people. I love that church. They do this. We've got our reward. And so the world celebrates that more than they celebrate teaching of the word. They feel like that is more love than teaching of the word. Jesus taught the word more than he fed people. If you read about him feeding people, it will just be twice and maybe his disciples. But if you read about him teaching, he taught a lot. Healing the sick, he healed a lot. Preaching the gospel, he preached a lot. Today, if people don't necessarily know what you're doing in terms of charity, you're not a good Christian. I'm not saying that we should not do these things. Praise the Lord. But I'm trying to refocus as to what I said when I was beginning. The motivation must be love. Praise the Lord. And in God's love, he thought that what humanity needs most was the teaching of the gospel, more than anything. These disciples that he called from their jobs, who are fishermen and what, he invested three and a half years teaching them, not buying for them houses. As important as houses are, he thought that that this is the best way I can show them love. Giving them these truths that can liberate them. Today the world does not celebrate that. Today the things that the world celebrates, that is why he tells us, be not conformed to the standards of this world. Yeah? Romans 12, verse 2. Let's read it in the message version. Hmm? He says, don't get well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. Today, jealousy is celebrated. Praise the Lord. When you see anyone that is wealthy, they stole. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Such things are celebrated. We just fit in. You see anybody rich, they are a thief. They are a thief. You see, people see any big ministry, any big church, they are interested in money. They, I saw somebody criticizing CTAM. I don't remember, but in a newspaper, just talking about CTAM with millions. I'm like, do you know how much charity CTAM does in this nation? You get know what I'm saying? But you know, like, and even Christians just jump onto. They just jump onto anything. A lot, a lot of negativity. A lot of negativity that is there. So don't get so well adjusted to the standards of this world. Because even you as a minister, it will, it will, it will affect your ministry. Now, like always said, as a minister, we are interested in doing charity. But we are motivated by love. It is not so that the world can say anything about us. Praise the Lord. But we are motivated in helping people. We are motivated. We, 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 we want to get every person from the street that we can. We want to get all these people that are drunkards and not through teen challenge. We want to do that. We want to give. We want to do that. But you see, there's a temptation to think that what I'm doing right now is less important than that. And so you get focused because you see, when we post like Mr. Miner's video, there are going to be more views. There are going to be more comments. Everybody's going to be like, you guys are now doing real ministry. That is real. There's somebody who told me, that's real church. When they heard that we are giving food during this time, we've been giving food. i like, that's real ministry. Because they are somebody I know and I love, I just said thank you. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? They think that is real ministry. They don't think this is real ministry. This is what gets people from darkness into light. You can't eat and get to hell with a full stomach. You're better fuel for hell. Bigger fuel for hell. Praise the Lord. So, you get what I'm saying? I'm not saying that doing that is wrong. And if God has called you primarily to do that, I know that God has called primarily to build orphanages. You get it? There is something they will also come and tell you that is more relevant than what you're doing. You get what I'm saying? They'll tell you you're not training them practical skills. That would be, there will always be something like that. But you see, what God has called us to do. Let me give us another example of this. So this love of God does not work that way. This love of God is led by God's agenda. It is not it motivated by people's applause. It, it is not motivated by... It, not motivated by, by it, is, it can't be manipulated. Let's go to John 11. John 11, verse 3. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying... Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest. You know that word lovest that they've put there is the word Phileo, friendly love. He whom thou lovest is sick. Look at manipulation. That is Phileo. That, that is the kind of love they have for Lazarus, also. That love. See, Pastor, you know the other lady. There are no boat for us seats for the church. She is sick. That's what they are saying. That's what they are telling him. We'll go to verse four. When Jesus heard that, he said, "The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby." Now Jesus loved Martha. Now that word there is agape. That one is not phileo that love here, and her sister and Lazarus, all of them equally. He was closer to Lazarus. So in friendly love, they thought we said the one you love, they didn't feel as as if he loved them like he he loved Lazarus. But in the agape love, he loved them all. So now Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. He loved them all, even if they didn't know. Verse 6. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place. <laughs> After he had the urgence of the matter, he decided to book a hotel in the same place. <laughs> he decided to stay there. And you see, if you read, still you see in the Greek where they are saying, he is very sick. In the Greek language, they have words that mean sick unto death. He's dying. Not just he's very sick. So they've told him, Lazarus, is dying. He said, oh, let's take some more two days here. That is agape love. Theirs was just phileo. Oh, come. It is happening. If you really love. And you see, that is what happens. If we really love people, what are we doing for the street guys? If we really love people, at times it may be phileo. And the truth is that it will fail because the only love that does not fail is agape. We will give, we will help, we will help. Then a time will come where we don't have money and we don't have a way of loving these people because we only need to love them by giving material things. So as long as material things are not there, we're incapacitated. We don't know what to do. Because we didn't genuinely, we didn't love them with the love of God. Praise the Lord. The love of God is different. The love of God is different. It is the love with which Jesus loved. And the love of God never fails because we see when he showed up, Lazarus was raised from the dead. He was raised from the dead. That is the love of God. It is God led. It is motivated by that love of God. So Jesus didn't run because of how Martha and Mary made the matter urgent. He loved Lazarus enough, even to wait on God and go in with a solution. Praise the Lord. This, this may, 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 may make us wonder what we've, what we've always known or thought about love. But he loved him. He loved him. So this agape, this, this kind of love, it is God's kind of love. It is not conditional. It is not self-seeking. The, the purpose of the love is the object of the love. It is not self-seeking. I'm not loving you. It, it's not scratch. I scratch your back; you scratch mine. It is not that. Praise the Lord. It is just that. It is not. Let's go feed people. Newspapers will write about us. Let's go. If we feed people, more people will come to our church. It's not that. It is just these are people. They need food. God has given us ability to love them. That's it, and it's that. Let's tell these people about Jesus Christ, your family members. And it is that. You're not telling them about Jesus Christ so that they join your church. You're not just going to love them when they are doing what you want them to do. You just love them. Judas Iscariot was going to betray Jesus and Jesus knew him. Jesus didn't treat Judas Iscariot in a funny way. Even when Judas Iscariot came to betray him, He said friend. Is it with a kiss that you betray me? He still called him friend. As in he didn't, his love for Judas Iscariot was not dependent on what Judas Iscariot was doing. He still had that place for him. He even shared the symbol with him while eating. And it wasn't pretense because they would have known. Praise the Lord. It is not conditional. It is not it is the love that he's telling us, as I have loved you, love one another. Without seeing how he has loved us, it is going to be very hard to love one another. He says in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, from verse 1, he says, seeing that we are surrounded with so great a cloud of witnesses, yeah, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the rest that is set before us, We are going to be worried, we will faint, we will give up on doing the good. He says that we should never give up when it comes to doing good. If we know the good to do, we do it, we don't give up. Whatever the person has done is not an excuse to us. Praise the Lord. It is not an excuse not to love them. But the only way is going to be by focusing on Jesus. If you don't focus on Jesus, if you don't know how much he's loved you, you're going to grow tired. That relative you're praying for every day, that person, you're you're going to give up on them. Like we saw Mr. Minor's testimony, his family gave up on him. Why? Because you can't. It just has to be by the love of God unless you look to Jesus. You can't love that way. It is not human to love that way. It is not in the human nature to love that way. It is until we look unto Jesus, as I have loved you, So you see, the first time I saw this and got to know this, I was in college when this when I started really, really to dig deep into God's love. And because I saw that as I have loved you, love one another, I went on a quest, I went on a search of how has he loved me to know how to love his people, to know how to love others. How has he loved me? How has he loved me? It is so necessary. Because you're going to be, especially, imagine like we're in ministry. How many people are you going to give up on if you're in ministry? Because you're dealing with people. Whichever, you may be leading a hotspot. You may be leading worship team, ushering team, your family. How are you going to love these people unconditionally? And you see, loving them does not mean condoning what they do. You see, people have mistaken that for love again. People have thought that, that love means you don't point out a wrong. Jesus told Simon Peter, get behind me, Satan. Yet we see him later washing his feet. So it does not mean you, but it means that whatever you say is totally not out of anger, not out of malice, not out of unforgiveness. But in case I tell you I don't like the way you do this, it is that. It's not, it's not that I'm coming with a background. It's not that I'm, it's that I'm addressing the issue apart from the person. So see, when we don't know, when we don't experience this love and we don't know how much he's loved us, whenever we address an issue, the issue is the person. And today there is what is called cancer culture. They call it cancer culture. You've heard of that. Like people want to demean people apart from what they've. Like, let me say, like, I don't agree with many of the policies of that. President Barack Obama had. You get what I'm saying? But now, I start disrespecting him because I don't agree with what he said. I can address that no, I'm not for gay marriage without calling Obama names. He is different from that. And God created him and Jesus died for him. So that is what we do, especially in the church. And now that's why you see the church gets, it's so hard even to win celebrities over. Because they just demonize them, they say everything about them. You can address an issue without, without demeaning the person, without belittling a person. That is not what Jesus does. That is not what Jesus does. So I've seen this a lot, especially when it comes to celebrities that are not believers. People, Christians just come, they'll call them devil worshippers. They will just do everything until the celebrity says, I want to give that church some money. Or when the celebrity says they are now born again, you see all of them rallying around him. Even so and so is born again. Fake Christians. That is not genuine love. Can you love them even if you don't condone what they are doing? Jesus genuinely loved Simon Peter. So him saying, get behind me, Satan, it wasn't personal. So it would be wrong. You see, as a pastor, definitely I'm going to correct you if you're doing something wrong. But you see, what would not be love is that I'm going to tell you I heard that you were gossiping about so-and-so in church. That is so wrong then every time you meet me, I'm called towards you. I don't say hi to you. I don't, you see, that was personal. That I wasn't dealing with the issue. That is not love. And he's not called us to that. Praise the Lord. Even just within our your own families and world, there are people you don't agree with. There are siblings you don't agree with. But those things you don't agree, you can address those things and you can separate them from the person. Hallelujah. You can love these people genuinely. You can celebrate them genuinely. But you know when you see somebody who says, imagine so and so, they they, 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 they did this against me. Okay, go address it. Talk to them. Tell them this was wrong. You went and lied about me. That was wrong. I don't want that. Then when you hear they got a job, you, you, you can't celebrate them. That means it was personal. It was not just about this issue. You get what I'm saying? So it is so rampant today that you just get one thing about a person and you attack the person. You don't attack what they've done wrong. And it's the same thing even when we, when we are preaching. That is why it is so wrong, so wrong to attack men of God. You know, you may have never addressed that, but it is so wrong. First of all, we are not the ones who called them. And you know, somebody may say, what if what they are doing is wrong? It is true. I can attack it separate from the person. And that is what I do. That is why I teach the word. I'll talk about wrong doctrine. Not necessarily the one who is preaching it. I'll talk about the wrong doctrine. Because I'm not the one who called them. They have their master. They have their boss. Praise the Lord. And if I was so busy doing, and you see, you will see this even from all over the Bible. You look at people like Moses, the Bible, in the Bible, even the law Moses gave, you should not marry outside Israel. Moses marries an Ethiopian woman. You get what I'm saying? Himself, the one who gave the law. He has Zipporah, a Cushite woman. And and Miriam siblings <laughs> they come and is he the only one who hears God? How did he marry this? <laughs> and leprosy comes on them and Moses pleads for them. Is it that God condoned what Moses was doing? No. But you see it was none of their business. The best they could do is to pray for him. Same thing comes or we see, we see with, with David and Saul. David knew Saul was totally out of God's line. Saul is pursuing to kill him. Actually, he throws a spear at him. And David's men say, we've got him. We can now go, you go kill him. And David says, be it far from me. I will not touch God's anointed. David says that. Did David condone what Saul was saying? No. And David knew he was anointed to replace Saul. He was to become king. But he says, Be it first. I'm not the one who placed him there. I'm not the one who called him. I can disagree with whatever he's doing. But him as a man, I'm not the one who has called him. You get what I'm saying? So there's a lot that we may speak. And many times you're going to realize that many of these people, God is not using them because they are perfect. You get what I'm saying? God is not using them because they are perfect. God is not using them because because they did good things. So whatever you discover, first of all, think about it this way. Okay, if they are bad like that, but God is still using them. Let me leave it. It's between them and God. And I'm telling you, if you don't attack men of God, you will realize that you still have a lot to do, that your time is not enough. So that council culture, it is something that comes up a lot. They demean. Like even here, I've seen it here. There are many politicians I don't agree with. But I'm not going to start talking about their marriage, about their wife, about their sons, about their children. That is what is being done today. And it is so propagated. It is what was done about this doctor, the doctor for Stella. I have a friend who is in, in the British Army. So he was writing to me. He doesn't agree with her. So he's sending me, look, She believes in demons, she believes weird things. So I was asking him, can't you really see that the Western world has gone so low? What does that have to do with her medical research? You know, you're now digging into whatever you can use to just, to make her look ugly to the public so that everyone goes away from what she's saying. Why don't you concentrate on the matter? Are the people healed? Look at them. But you know, it is that, it is called that. But because they don't believe what you said, they will now start attacking everything. He didn't even go to school. You know, he even has a child out of wedlock. He even did this. He even did this. And you realize that whatever they are going on is way far from the main point. Do you see what I'm saying? That is so bad. So the world has it and the church has borrowed it because we are not looking at this as I have loved you. Love one another. John sends his disciples to Jesus and he says, Ask him, is he the one, or we should wait for another one? You know that would be an insult to Jesus. And it is because John was in a vulnerable place. John took offense. John is the one who announced that Jesus was coming. He says, The one you see, the Holy Spirit descend on. He's the one who baptized him and announced, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But now he's arrested. He feels like Jesus is doing nothing about it. And he sends people, go. Is he the real Messiah? Is he the one who we should wait for another one? You see how that would be, he was acting out of offense. But look at how Jesus handles it in love. He just says them, go, tell him what you see. The dead are raised, the lame are walking, the blind are seeing, because that's what the word had said, that when he comes, the lame shall leap, the blind shall see. So they go tell him that. And when they've gone, he turns to the disciples and he tells them, no one is greater than John the Baptist. No, he talks about him separate from his offense, separate from, because, and it's, it's like he's, because he loved him, he's portraying a good picture of him among his disciples. Because his disciples, I think, would have just started a conversation. Well, we knew John was going off. Master, we knew. He didn't allow them to get there. He didn't allow them to get there. He just told them, Of those that there is no one. He just showed them how big. John is the greatest prophet. And you know them, that time they knew Abraham, Moses, but he's telling them John is the greatest. He loved the man. That was real love. And you see, that will help us many times in our relationships with different people. As I have loved you, love one another. In every relationship, you'll be able to separate. You get it? You're going to buy for somebody a gift and they're not going to like it. And you hate them because of that. <laughs> that is not the love he's called us to. That is not the love he's called us to. Praise the Lord. People may not agree with us, but it doesn't mean we don't love them. We may even decide not to, not to talk about the things we, we will never agree. You get there are things we may never agree. But that does not mean we attack them. That does not mean we call them names. And you see, we have that ability. It is only you and me, children of God, that have that ability. The world does not have that ability. And that is why you see, like that, when they hate you, they will go after your child, they will go after your husband, they will go after. But we have that ability. His love has been shed abroad in our hearts. And in verse 35 of John 13, he says, By this shall they know that you are my disciples. He doesn't say that by the miracles you do. He doesn't say by the sermons you preach. He doesn't say by how you give food to the people out there in the world. He says, by this shall they know that you are my disciples. That if I stood or sat on a TV set somewhere, and they are telling me bad things a pastor has done in this Nairobi, that all my words that will come out of me will be words that show that I still love that man. He says, that is how they will know that we are his disciples. If we have love, one for another, not for them, not even for the world first, for us. Because see, when they come among us, they get disappointed. This is the standard they expect of us. Then they come in the church and they're like, people in church gossip? You know, they can't believe that. They can't believe it. They can't believe it. They can't believe it. it. But you see, it is our love for one another as Christians that is going to confound them. Because they are going to realize that we are different, we are from different walks of life, our tastes are different, our careers are different, our political persuasions are different, yet we love each other. That we love, we genuinely love each other. That we can put whatever differences, that all those differences are just, they they are superficial. What we have in his love is what is deeper. All these differences we may have. You see, people will fight over supporting a different team in soccer. And they fight and they're enemies forever. You get what I'm saying? People fight over politics. And they fight and they totally fight. And their relationships become sour because of that. No. We can genuinely love because God has called us to that kind of love. Hallelujah. That is the love that we see. Like how has he loved us? I've said like uh, Romans 5, 8. He says, while we are yet sinners, but God commended his love toward us in that. While we were yet sinners, Christ came and died for us. God showed. He demonstrated his love to us. That he did not wait for us to become good. He came when we were at our worst. If you go on in the same chapter, he says that scarcely can a man die for a righteous man. Scarcely. It is hard for somebody to give their lives, even for somebody they know that is good. They would just say, oh, that guy was good. He's going to be killed. I'm telling you he was good. But they will not give their life for him. Yet Jesus didn't give himself for the good one. He came for the. If scarcely can a man die for a righteous man, then it's impossible for a man to die for a wrong man, for A guilty man for a wicked man but Christ came and died for us that is the love he showed us and he's saying this very love with this very love love one another love one another with this very love and at times God has given us platforms especially here as we work you know why God wants us to work in teams and why God has called the body of Christ to be a body God is not interested in us being independent because it is a platform for us to practice righteousness, especially in this area of love. Because that is where it's going to come. You're going to be placed in a group. You're going to be placed in the worship team, in the ushering team, in a hotspot, where there are people you don't agree with. And that shows you that there is something you should work on concerning his love. You should get to know how much has he loved you. How much has he loved you? How many things have you said about him? How many bad things? How many things have you said in vain? And did his attitude towards you change? So maybe you need to deal with your attitude towards this person because of how he has loved you. Because of how he has loved you. Getting to know how he has loved us. That he gave himself for us. He gave himself for, And we can do it intentionally, we can remind ourselves because... I'll i i I'll, I'll, I'll not get into I'll not get into it today, but I'll show you that as we love like this, we are the ones that are freed and we are empowered. We are the ones that experience his goodness. It's we you will read Ezekiel thirty six twenty-three to twenty-eight. This is where he tells us that himself he will come. He had given us many opportunities. He said he had given Israel many opportunities, but they would not turn to him. They, they, he had tried to give them opportunities to return, to, to return to him. In other words, to take away their stony heart, but they could not. Then he said, I will do it myself. I will take away their stony heart, and I'll give them a new heart. I'll put my, a new spirit in them. I'll put my spirit in them. I will make them my people. I'll say, you are my people, and I am your God and I will show them off. They will sanctify me among the people. The children of Israel, he would use them. He would use them. He chose because every opportunity he gave them, they messed it up. Imagine that's how God has dealt with us. How many people should we give more opportunities? This is how, you know, the more we get to know how he's loved us, it ruins us. We just realize, you know, many times when you're being, you're being mean to somebody. If you just remember how much he has loved you, you realize that you ought to do better. And if we walk in this, it is the greatest move of God that this world will ever see. are people that genuinely love. are people that really, 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 really love. God has given us feelings. God has given us emotions to be used rightly. And as long as we are using our emotions apart from God's love, they become toxic. They become very toxic. It is so quiet in this Catholic church. 1 John 4, 7 to 11. Beloved, let's love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us, and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Herein is love. Yeah? Not that we loved God. Not that we loved God. Now that's human love. Which is love that must be paid back. You get it? That I'm loving so that I can be loved back. I'm doing good so that it can come back to me from this person. But you see, that was not God. He came. It is not that we loved him first. He didn't say, now the way they love me, I can now send my son to die for them. No. He just came. And so he's saying that if we are of God, then we ought to love one another in this same way. In this same kind of love, we ought to love one another. And if it can begin here, it will be very easy out there. You find that there are many Christians who he says that if we are doing good, it should start at least with the household of faith. But you find many Christians who will go and an unbeliever they will tell them about God's grace. Oh, we just love you. It does not matter. God just loves you. We just love you. Then when it comes to their brother or sister in church, there they treat them. You are a hypocrite. You get it? He says it begins with the household of faith. Whatever you're doing to that person out there is a show. And once they come here, you're going to hate them. If you can't love the one that is here. And these are all platforms for us to grow. And whenever you see that, such you're not seeing the word of God manifesting in your life. You know that that is an area to grow. So why don't I like this person? Why don't I want to say hi to them? Why don't I want to sit next to them? Why don't I? You have a big problem. You should know how much you are loved. Yeah. And at times it is when we deal with such things, it is like we open the facet to more of experiencing God's love. His love that has been put upon us. His love that, I, that he's, given in, he's given in us. We experience his love. When we get born again, we experience his love. But we can grow in experiencing his love more and more. And many times that happens by how much we give. You see, as we give, we are filled more. As we give, we experience more. So the more you love people, it is like a, it's like a cycle. His love came to you. When you experience that love, Do you use it. So as you use it, the more you experience it, the more you get to see it. work in your life. So at times some of us have been crying, why don't I really feel like God loves me? Maybe you should lay aside many of those offenses you've been in. Maybe you should say it is time to deal with some of these why shouldn't I love so and so? Why shouldn't I love so and so? And you see loving them does not mean that you're going to hug them every day. It doesn't mean that you're going to condone what they are doing. It doesn't mean that you're going to To trust them in every way. You get what I'm saying? But it means that whatever you're doing is totally not out of malice. If you're not going to give them money anymore, it is not not that you're doing it so that you hurt them. It is not that... Because you see, it may look the same on the surface, but it, it may not necessarily be the same. You get it? It is possible for somebody to say, get behind me, Satan, and you've said it out of anger. But Jesus didn't say it out of anger. He said it out of love. It is possible to say, today I'm not going to send you any money because every money I'm sending, you take it to drink. It is possible to say that genuinely out of love. It is possible to say it out of anger. He says, anger does not bear the fruit of righteousness. There is no relationship that has been built by anger. Hmm? I can't speak to her. She's just a lot of drama. I can't talk to him. He's just... That is not, I doubt that is the love of God. Because first of all, you've not separated her from the matter or him from the matter. You're even telling other people, you're making her ugly to other people. You're making him ugly before other people. That is not the love of God. This is very key. You know, you may wonder why I'm sharing about this today. But it is because in whatever God has called us to do, even as a ministry, I know we are taking on a very... We are, going, we are going to bombard this Kenya. We want to see healings, miracles, signs and wonders, taking the gospel everywhere. But we should be checked by love.